Praise God. Wow. Wes is going all out, isn't he? Hey, the future is bright. You see the amount of young people? Come on, can we give it up for the young people standing up here? Um, Chandler with the harmonica, killing it. We heard you. Uh, so my name is Moises. I'm the associate pastor. Today we begin a new sermon series titled One Purpose. One Purpose. And we're excited to be up here with you guys. Uh, today's sermon is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to have three people speaking. So it's going to be a long one. Hang on in there, okay? Uh, no, I'll be, I'll be having some, some more people come up here in just a little bit and share a few of the points. But, you know, purpose, purpose is such a unique word, such an important word to recognize and understand because the reason is defined as the reason for which something is done or created or which something exists. Essentially, here at Great Life Church, I wrote this down a few days ago. We're a community of believers building Christ, empowered by His Spirit for a purpose, right? God has shaped and prepare you to play a unique role with your story, right, in this kingdom. You have a destiny that will bring glory to God, share the grace of God, and extend even the reign of his kingdom on earth here. Understanding your unique destiny starts with understanding what the Bible says about your purpose as a believer, right? You have a destiny that will bring glory to God. So, so clarifying what the Bible says breaks down three simple things, okay? It declares why you exist, which, which kind of captures the heart of why you're here on earth. Why did Jesus die for me, for this guy, right? It also defines your life, it, it, not, not so much of what you think about yourself, but what God thinks about you. And the last one, and one of the most important ones that I love the most, is that it clarifies the non-negotiables. The non-negotiables are those things that identify you that should never change. And regardless of what circumstance you're dealing with in life, it's one of those things that should stay. We here at Greater Life Church, we want families to live in intentional purpose. Far too often the culture we belong, the, the, the media and those around us are constantly trying to tell us who we should be. Can I get an amen for that? Right? Everyone knows who we should be, with so many voices constantly attempting to change our values and transform us into these people that we're so called to be, is it may be difficult for us to stay in course into the, the, the plan and purpose that God has for our lives. The truth of the matter is that every single child you meet, they need a vision, they need a purpose in their life, right? Every person you meet needs a purpose, a passion or a calling that provides them meaning and, 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 and helps them to realize that they can make an impact in the world that they're currently living in. God has a purpose for every life he creates. He's designed men and women with equal values but different roles and responsibilities that complement each other to accomplish his purpose. You look at scenarios that don't make any sense, right? Like, how is that little Puerto Rican paired up with this pastor from Charlotte and they make this church thing go? How did that happen, right? How does that fit in there? But it's the way it works, right? I, I tell people that I'm still with my wife, not because we like the same movies, right? Maybe we started dating for those reasons, but I'm with my wife today because of our differences and how those differences complement each other. And where I'm weak, she's strong, right? It has nothing to do with what you may think about yourself, right? 
that doesn't change the truth about who God has created you to be. In other words, what does how you feel have anything to do with who you're serving? Right? We wake up and feelings, you know, you got parents that will say, I just want my children to be happy. Well, that's not good enough, parent. Right? Because happiness is just a feeling that comes and goes. It doesn't stay. Right? I want them to live. I want my kid to live for the kingdom, to, leave, to, 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 to live a life that's, that's, that's the one Jesus wants him to live. Right? I, I was doing a parenting class on Wednesday nights, and I, I remind the parents, we constantly say we're raising children. And the reality is that we're not raising children. We're raising adults. The truth of the matter is those kids are going to spend the majority of their lives as adults, not children. You're not raising children. You're, we're raising adults. And our goal in the end game is to see them thrive as believing Christians, doing the will of God in their lives. Right? This is extremely important. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says, After the, that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. This was a, a coming from Joshua, this amazing leader, Caleb, another amazing leader. When they died, a generation rose that didn't know anything about God. This is critical. This is critical. It's not so much about what it looks like today. It's about the season. In Psalms 1, 2 to 3, it says, But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each moment. No, each season. We are people of seasons, not moments. So your day, your now, may look horrible. But you bear fruit in seasons, not in the moment today. All right? That is extremely important. You, you, you know, I, I tell parents, if you're looking at your child and he's being, if you looked at me at 14 years old, you would have thought, oh my gosh, it's all over. <laughs> I, 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 I was telling the first service, I was, I was in a restaurant. Uh, what was the restaurant? Uh, oh, what's the restaurant? What's it called? Outback. How did you know, Eddie, my brother? <laughs> of course he knows. Of course he knows. How could you ever forget, right, Eddie? It was such a special moment. I, I, I looked at the steak knife that was right there on the table. And I'm 13, 12. And I say to myself, I looked at my dad. I grabbed the knife up like this. And I say, this thing is so big, you could rob this entire restaurant. <laughs> my dad, it was over. He will be in jail one day. It, you know, and, and a lot of the times with our children, we have to look past those points. The moment may be difficult. The now may look awful, but look past. I, I tell you, when you're, when you're losing patience with your children, just say, okay, let me look at tomorrow. Let me think for my children for tomorrow and the next day. And if that's not good enough, I'll go a week further and I'll go a month further. And I, uh, if that's not good enough, I'll go six months out. I'll go two years out. If I have to go 10 years out, to bring hope to that moment, I realize that he's going to bear fruit in seasons, not moments. Right? Now, in 3 in John, it says that I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. This is so important for us to understand because that's the end game. Right? And the demand of purpose today may be so overwhelming to you. You may say, Moises, I struggle. I do the wrong things all the time. Well, Paul did the same thing. In chapter 7, verse 15 to 20, something that us as Christians, we could constantly relate to. And if you don't relate to this as a Christian, I don't know what's wrong with you. 
All right? I'm not judging. That's on you. Right? It says on verse 15, I don't really understand myself for what I do, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I, I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It's, it's sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. Right? The struggle is real. You agree? But we cannot sit around expecting things to be different. The reality is that hope does not come circumstantially. Hope is found in our purpose. And we have to realize that there's an end game to all this. In Ephesians 1.18, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given those who he called. Right? There's a hope there. There's a hope there. Every person in this room has a purpose. Your now is just as important as your tomorrow. All right? And you have to have hope in that. I'm letting Elena take it over here. All right. Hey, guys. I'm Elena. I'm the youth pastor here at Greater Life Church, and uh, I'm going to continue on this. So kind of like what Moises was saying, in order to start in our purpose, it starts with God. We must start knowing him and know what, knowing what he says about you and me in order to work in our purpose. If your life isn't what you wanted it to be right now, maybe it's because you're telling yourself the wrong story. You're not the mistake that you made. You're not the labels put on you by other people. You are who God says you are. The devil wants us to think that we are what we've done, but we need to understand that we are who God says we are. In other words, our mistakes don't have the ultimate say. One of the ways that we can understand who God says we are is by looking at what scripture says. The Bible is a perfect starting point. The scriptures confront the false identity and false narratives that we so often have been accustomed to living by. Scripture reveals that there's a unique role that each of us play in the heavenly kingdom, and we've been called to be a part of it. So these false narratives had Abraham thinking that he was too old to be used by God, Jeremiah thinking that he was too young, Moses thinking that he was unqualified, and Joseph thinking that he was overqualified, and myself, and I'm sure you in some ways, thinking that I was too young, too messed up, not wise enough, not good enough to speak, not a man, not qualified to walk in my call to ministry. So at the time for me, I was attending UNC Charlotte, and I was trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. And I finally chose my major, exercise science. Well, I thought I had everything planned, but God had other plans for me, clearly. Um, but I had so many reasons to say no and delay this calling on my life. I mean, no one in my family had been in ministry. It feels like everyone I talked to, my dad was in ministry, oh, my mom, no one in my family. My family was so confused when I started talking about this. So <laughs> my parents were not sure if it was the right move for me in the beginning because we just didn't know like much about what it would look like. But I knew that God had called me to this. But what job would I have? Christian schools are so expensive. I mean, are women even allowed to do this? <laughs> would I just drop out of all my classes, change majors in schools I had just figured out I was doing exercise science? How could I, how could I make a difference? These doubts came, but something more powerful overrid them. It's the power of the Holy Spirit who changes hearts. All I knew was I was in love with Jesus and I wanted to make him known, whatever God had for me and whatever that looked like. 
So none of these doubts about ourselves matter when we come to know who we truly are in Christ. Who you are or who you were is not the issue. What matters is whose you are. Scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5.17. You are the apple of God's eye. You are his workmanship. You are more than a conqueror, and nothing can change that. It is what it is. It's who you are. There's never been and will never be anyone like you. You're unique. You have a place, and God has a purpose for you. He wanted someone like you. That's the only reason you're here, because God allowed you to be here. Like, the odds of you being born is, like, actually ridiculous, if you look it up. There's, like, so many numbers out there, but the one that I saw, like, consistently was one in 400 trillion chance that you would be born. So, scientifically proven, you are a miracle. <laughs> so, the only reason is because God wanted one of you. You think those odds were, be, were by accident? I mean, if there's breath in your lungs, there's purpose in your life. That isn't a testament to you. It's a testament to the God who created you. The significance of that truth is this. No one can take your place. No one can worship God like you or for you. No one can serve others like you or for you. And no one will do the things that you'll do for the kingdom of God. And they can't do them for you. He's called you. I feel like this is the truth that we all have to live by. Get rid of the script that says you're just another ordinary person. You are called by God for something. Don't miss it. You are unique in the sight of God and no one will ever be like you. It's time to flip the script. That is where you find your purpose. If God says this about you, then it's true. Your actions don't overrule God's declarations over your life. You're not your own. You're a miracle. You were bought at a high price. And if anything, that should show you how much purpose you actually carry. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this isn't due to us. We don't get the glory. It's the God, the one who created us. We have the opportunity to use our lives and gifts for the kingdom's work. We have one person and one purpose, sorry, to know him and to make him known. Now, in what capacity that is for you, it'll be different for all of us. But whoever you are in whatever place you are in in life, Christ, in Christ you are made new. You have the ability to say yes to God. I mean, I was the last person you would think would just drop all my classes at UNC Charlotte and start ministry school. I mean, I remember the days I was even in school and I was like, did I make the right decision? Was, uh, is God gonna like, are you, are you sure God, you're gonna provide a job? Like, I don't know where I'm going, right? But I kept going and I, rem I remember those times I wanted to stop and I doubted myself. But I knew I was called to something and God gave me this step and I said yes. But when we say yes to the call, whether that's ministry school or that college or a job or just speaking to that person at work or at the store, it's, it's always getting out of our comfort zones to do what God has called us to do. He blesses our obedience. I mean, you can see that in my life. I never thought I would be where I am, but God, and all I did was say yes, and God came through. It's not a testament to me, but him. But we can't get there unless we flip the script and we believe who we are in Christ, the new person we are in Christ, and we stop believing the old narratives that hold us back from the God-given purpose that has been placed in each of us. So I'll leave you with this. There's different kinds of work, but in all of it and in everyone, it is the same God at work, 1 Corinthians 12, 6. We are all part of the same work, but God has a place for you in the body, a specific place for you. Don't let the enemy's lies keep you from walking out in all that God has for you. So now I'm going to hand it off to Grace, the young adults pastor. Uh, 
Hello, everybody. My name is Grace Rankin. Um, I am the Young Adults Pastor, like Elena said, at Greater Life Church. If you don't know, we have a Young Adults Ministry. It is called The Bridge. And if you are a young adult and you do not come on Tuesdays at 7 p.m., you need to be here at 7 p.m. on Tuesday because we have the best time ever. We're actually doing discipleship groups right now. It's going so awesome. So please come out. If you're a young adult, we want you to be in our community. Um, so let's say that you have already flipped the script, kind of like what Elena said. You you know your place, you know that you have a purpose, and you know that God has only allowed you to fulfill that purpose, and nobody else can fill that for you. Or you were just listening to Elena's beautiful testimony, and you're like, yeah, that's me. I need to believe about my purpose, and I need to believe that God has that for me, and I need to walk in it. I'm here to talk to you about how can we practically do that. Because like Elena said, also, the enemy wants to keep us from our purpose, and it is a spiritual battle every single day to walk in our daily purpose and walk in our life purpose. So how do we practically achieve this? I just want to give you one strategy, one concept that has impacted me in a lot of areas of my life, and that concept is called eat the frog. Yeah, that's what I said. I said eat the frog. Has anybody heard of that concept before? Okay, cool, some people. So does anybody like to eat live frogs? Would you want to eat one? Anybody? Frog, maybe some frog legs? Yeah, some people like the frog legs, but not a live frog that's like, you know, you just got out of the pond. Like you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't want to do that, right? So now that we've established that, it's really hard if you needed to eat a live frog, right? So this concept is if you had to, for some reason you had to eat a live frog, you would want to do it first thing in the morning. That doesn't really sound like a great breakfast, does it? So like why would you want to? Because if you eat it first thing in the morning, you can go the rest of your day knowing that the most important, like biggest task is behind you already. And that changes your day altogether. So we need to identify your frog in your life. So what is the item that is most difficult for you to do? The one that is hard to get started on? The goal that you've had forever but you just can't take a step towards it for some reason? Um, that's your frog. Most days when I wake up, there is so many tasks and a ton of different categories just in front of me, and I don't know where to get started, and there's just so many things. Um, but Eat the Frog suggests completing the biggest, most important task first. So let me ask you this. What is, with this um, concept, it's a very secular efficiency concept, but let me ask you this as a believer. What is more important than spending time with God and spending time in prayer? Should that be the most important task of your day? Yes, because absolutely nothing is more important that, than that. A lot of days, spending time with God, it seems like it's the hardest task to get started on. And why is that? It's because of the spiritual battle that we're in every single day. And it's so hard to get started on it, and it's so hard to like, get the import every day. So you need to identify your frog. If you are the type of person that does read your Bible every day, and you do, you do have that habit already established, that's great. But what is God calling you to do? Is he calling you to serve your spouse, serve your sibling, reach out to somebody that you're having trouble with and encourage them in the morning? Whatever that is for you, identify it, plan it out, give yourself a deadline, and get started. We, can simply, we can't simply just to pray like it depends on God sometimes. But we also need to work like it depends on us, too. If you want God to do the super in your life, you have to do the natural and you have to meet him there. 
So how do you start your morning? I just want you to think about your morning. Is it simply about just getting out the door on time? Is that the best way to start your day? Because honestly, to me, that sounds like defeat before the day even begins. And we just need to look at the most important example in the Bible to us, and that's Jesus himself. Jesus made the most of his earliest part of the day in so many instances that we see in Scripture. In Mark 135, it says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. And he prioritized that time with God. Yes, he spent time healing and doing miracles and preaching, but he prioritized his time with God too and the infill that God gave him because that was his most important task is to get filled with the Holy Spirit, get filled with the Lord, spend time with him. And if Jesus is our example, that should be our most important task too. So what is the one thing that you least like to do but feel the best afterwards? Because that could be your frog. Often, it's the hardest habit to establish, but it pays the biggest dividends for us. Whatever it is, you've got to figure out a morning routine that works best for you. Whatever you don't do today, you are less likely to do tomorrow. And according to Parkinson's Law, the amount of time it takes to accomplish a task depends on the time allotted. So if I gave you two days to do something, you're going to take two days to do it. If I gave you two weeks, you're definitely going to take two weeks to do it. If procrastinator or not, I'm a procrastinator, but I'm sure this has to do with, you know, Parkinson's law. Everybody does this. So if I gave you two months, it's going to take you two months to do that thing. So if you wait until you're ready to start following in your purpose and serving the Lord and glorifying him in what you do, you're going to be waiting for the rest of your life. In this case, playing it safe in these instances is the risky part. Desires don't determine what we become, but discipline determines what we become. And discipline is choosing what you want most versus what you want right now in the moment. Diligence, the definition of diligence is careful and persistent work and effort. God desires our consistency. Making these little changes every day will get you to a bigger goal. Spending time with Jesus every day and doing things that he's calling you to every day is going to change you from the inside out. But also, you're going to impact people around you along the way. And this video they're about to play is about our graduates that we were able to honor in the first service. Um, and it's people that they have impacted in their life. So they've been going to college and high school, or, and they're graduating. But throughout their journey, they've been impacting so many people. So watch this video. So I know Anastasia because we were roommates this past year at school and then we grew into being super close friends. She has made such a big impact on me. Um, she is such a loving and true friend and has taught me how important it is to have true friends that are supportive of you, not only in your day to day life, but help you get closer to the Lord. And that's exactly what she did. I would not be the person that I am today without Anastasia. So I'm so proud of you on your graduation and I love you so much. Hi, I'm Garrett and I'm Anastasia's fiance. Anastasia has impacted me by showing me that not everything is going to come easy and that if I focus and stay on track, I can accomplish things that I never knew I could. My name is Grace. Anastasia is my future sister-in-law. She's also one of my best friends. Um, I'm really excited and proud of her for graduating from Wingate. Um, she's impacted me in so many different ways over the time I've known her. I remember in different periods of our relationship and just in my life, 
where she's given above and beyond like what I could have imagined her to give. And honestly, she really encourages me to give the way that she does to others, just above and beyond. Hi, I'm Megan, Anastasia Key's mom. She's impacted me by her tenacity and her drive to help others. Love you. Hi, I'm Elena. I am Carson's fiance. And Carson has impacted my life so much that I think I'm gonna marry him. Most people know Carson as the buff, nice guy that's good at everything. I know Carson as a good friend. I've only known him for about two and a half years, but he's the kind of friend that I can call up at any time, talk to him about something that's on my heart. And he'll even take it a step further and pray for me and follow up with me. So I really value that in Carson and his intentionalness. So if you don't know Carson, you should get to know him. Actually, Carson has definitely impacted my life um, for the good. He's very patient and loving, and he just has such a servant heart, and it inspires me to just serve others more the way that he does. It's me again, Ricky, um, and Erica is my wife. Uh, what should I say about Erica? Hmm, I don't know. Hi, uh, oh, I lost my mojo. Wait, what the heck? Two hours later. Hi again, it's me, Ricky, um, and Erica is my wife. Uh, how has she impacted me? Uh, not that much, honestly. I can't. <clears throat> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, Erica has been a blessing to my life. Just seeing her every day, give her best uh, for everybody, for everything she does, really impacts my life and motivates me to give it my all every time I come here or every and anything I do. Hi, my name is Rosie Sayas and I have known Erica Bermonti for pretty much our entire lives. She is my cousin, and which I love so much. And uh, the way that she has impacted my life is just through her servant heart. Uh, Erica has always, um, she grew up in a Christian home. So from the beginning, it was just, you know, going to church and, and serving and helping. And I remember ever since she was about five years old, uh, she uh, became part of our kids' ministry, uh, one that Moises and I were leading, and she has always been so giving, so um, loves people so much. I remember her at five years old just knocking on doors, uh, inviting other kids to church, and that spirit, that giving, that serving heart has not changed. Even to this day, uh, she serves in many areas at the church and she is willing, she's on time, she just has love for people that uh, is very hard to find. So that's the way that she has impacted my life, just the way to, to, that I love to see her serve. Not just God, but to serve others through her actions. Erica and I have been friends for a couple of years and she is just an amazing friend and she's always caring and funny and cool to be around and Erica is super determined and I know that she will be able to accomplish anything that she sets your mind to. We love you, Erica. Hi, I'm Jaden. Hannah and I have been friends for almost 10 years now. Not only has she shown me what it's like to be a true uh, servant of Christ, but she has shown me love and support from day one. She is a great friend and an amazing kids pastor. 
Hi, I'm Amanda Aviol and I'm Hannah's mom. I'm so proud of her, but not so much the things that she's done, but just who she is. She's always been a helper. She encourages people. She just lifts people up. And I'm so thankful that God allowed me to be her mom. Hannah, you're not an itty bitty baby girl anymore, but you still bring so much joy to my world. it up for our graduates. Come on. That's amazing. All right. Why do they have to put that one at the end, right? Like, left, leave a funny one for the end. Now, we don't want to pass this moment. We, we honor these graduates back at, at our 9 o'clock service, but we have other accomplishments that we want to we want quickly highlight here at our, our 11 o'clock service. These folks, they don't know that I'm doing this, okay? These are people that are going to walk up here. We're not going to make announcements, okay? But there are accomplishments that we need to acknowledge and allude to, okay? This year, did you know that we have four newly credentialed aging ministers from the house here. Can you give it up for that? Right. And listen, I, I'm going to be honest. These people are active in ministry. They're probably not sitting among you right now. They were probably at a 9 o'clock service. They're probably at another campus. But when I say their name, we're online right now. They can watch this later. They can hear the support, okay? So as I, as I read their names and, and talk a little bit about their story, would you just give them a hand, okay, when, when, when I call them out? We're going to celebrate with them and then wrap this thing up. I call this one coming up the sleeper, all right? Because she, she is practically running a nonprofit organization that brings hope to low-income neighborhoods in the Charlotte area. Right now, she's not here. You know why? Because she's kind of like our coordinator of first impressions in our Locust campus. Actively serving God, right? Her name is Kathy Jones. Let's give it up for her. Right? I have, I have another sleeper, all right? He is currently a teacher at Pathway, which is an app-based Bible curriculum for ministry students seeking credentials. He's one of the most thorough uh, teachers I have ever met, okay? He's also part of the bloodline of GLC, if you know what I mean. Let's give it up for Styles Berg. Hey, one of our very own here coming up, already a staff member here at GLC. She's our women's ministry pastor and one of our back office's guru. I don't even know how we would survive without her here, all right? Uh, but what truly impresses me about this lady, okay, is that she's worked for Pastor Andrew for over 15 years. I mean, that deserves, like, uh, no, no. Uh, she said to say that she's been working for Pastor Andrew for half of her life. So uh, let's give it up for Donna Gordon. I don't know how you do it, girl. No. Uh, another one of our very own. She did practicum with me for almost three years. A girl that's really close to my heart. Uh, did another year with Pastor Angel. And literally God called her to be our youth pastor this very year. She is killing it. Let's give it up for Elena Boss. Yeah. Listen, and, and last but not least, she's another shining star here at the house. You know, a young lady that's in the fast track of God's purpose and plan, and she's responded like a champ. All right? 
our very own kids pastor. Let's give it up for Hannah Pena. That's amazing. That's amazing. God is doing some amazing things. Your impact today has potential. The purpose you're living today is meaningful. You're like, Moises, but you just mentioned these accomplishments. People graduating and, 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 and being credentialed and all these things. My, my, my story sounds so insignificant. This kind of leads me to my third point, and maybe it's because you're not celebrating the small victories. The, 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 the prophet, God told the prophet Zechariah in, in, in chapter 4, verse 10, do not despise the small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. We, we sometimes are so focused on winning big, on the huge accomplishments, on the end result of what we want to see in our lives. And in that process, we end up avoiding the small victories and the small things that take place in our life that are truly important. Our Heavenly Father celebrates the little steps of, ta- of, of, of faith that we take. In this verse we read, the, the, the Israelites hadn't even broken ground on the temple and God was giving them a standing ovation. Who's responsible for the big things in your life? God is. You're not. We're lucky if we get credit for the little ones, right? God is not just good and great because nothing is too big, but God is also great because nothing is too small, right? So the little things in life matter. If we do the little things like they're big things, then God will do the big things like they're little things. The Bible says that if God cannot trust us with the small things, he won't be able to trust us with the bigger ones. And the truth is how you do everything is how you do anything. And how you do anything is how you do everything. So you keep waiting for a moment to take place in order to step into that purpose, not realizing that your purpose is now. That you're living in it now. That the moment that you're living in right now is the moment God designed for you to live in. In order for us to work... We must have a right relationship with time. There was a, there was a, a saying that um, time is measured in seconds, minutes, hours. The, the Greeks had a, a term for this, and, a, and, and they had two words for time, and one is chronos and the other one is kairos, okay? Chronos is that uh, a sequential past, present, and future that counts seconds, minutes, and hours. Managing time is extremely important, right? You've heard it said before. If you don't manage your calendar, it'll, it'll manage you, and it, you know. But in Ephesians 5.16, it says, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every opportunity. And that refers to kairos, right? That sixth sense, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. That sensing that when you notice a holy moment, you take off your shoes, right? And you step into the moment. Because Kronos is about making good time, but, but Kairos is about enjoying the journey. Right? We, we can't miss the small wins. And a lot of times, maybe your past is what's ruining this for you. Maybe the things that you have done leading up to this moment keep you away from acknowledging that you are in the purpose of God with what you do today. And the work that you're doing today is truly significant. Your past may be your biggest obstacle, but it too matters. Charles Purgeon, who was, who was suffering from depression and anxiety, said, I have learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. Right? Our ability to remember the past is a gift from God, but it comes sometimes with question marks. And it's difficult to deal with. 
Because memory is both selective and subjective. It could be a blessing and a curse. If you remember tomorrow the wrong way, you're living a lie. You may not be responsible for what has taken into in your life up to this point, but you are responsible. You could, too, step into this moment and make something good out of it. We have got to come to terms with our past, right? The obstacle is not always the enemy. Sometimes it's the way. And we just have to understand it. Paul, in that, in that verse I read initially in chapter 7, the guy that wrote one-third of the New Testament that God used to raise people from the dead literally said on verse 24, oh, what a miserable person I am. Right? And I want to tell you that if you feel this way, you're not missing something in your life. You're missing someone. Paul follows up that verse in verse 24 and 25. He says, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus our Lord. Right? So sometimes we, we, we have to see past that. You know, I, I look at countless stories in this church of people that have been touched by God. You know, I tell people the story about me becoming, uh, me going to school and how God called me to that moment and how special that moment was for my life. But I don't tell anyone when I looked at my wife two years into it and say, I want to quit. When I was learning the new, the, the Old Testament and that teacher looked at me and said, I need you to build a tabernacle from scratch. With your very own hands, the whole thing. Make sure you get the measurements right. And she said, not only that, but for your special project, you're going to have to come here and present to all the students one of the selected sacrifices of the Old Testament. As you do it with toys and explain it, you think, wow, that's a great teacher. Well, at the moment, it didn't feel that great, okay? <laughs> I was frustrated. I didn't have time. I'm working. I don't, I, I'm an adult. What are we doing here, right? Life may not look this way. I, I look at a guy like Ricky, who's a singer up here, Right? A guy that came here to the States from Puerto Rico because a hurricane had destroyed the island of Puerto Rico. Was months without power. Finally reached out to family and said, can I come stay with you? Can I send my kids up there? And Ricky was one of them. Because we have no power. Guy comes up here, joins our youth ministry, okay? And when everything is back normal in Puerto Rico, he looks at his mom and he says, mom, I think I have to stay here. Because something is calling me here. And he had to have that difficult conversation with his mom. Not, not knowing what that looks like. You know what I'm saying? You, you look at that story in the moment and you think, what a crappy situation. <laughs> right? But then Ricky meets the love of his life. Marries her. Buys his house. And is one year and a half from finishing his degree in college. You see how God works? Countless stories. Our worship leader in Locust, Angel, right? A guy that I met at 12 years old who looked like, yeah, there's no hope there. <laughs> Got in trouble after trouble, real stuff, okay? I was in tears on that first row watching him sing up here in the, in the soaking the other day because it's powerful. We don't know the impact we're making. You don't know what this season of life that you're living today and how that is impacting the future. 
Your now, your purpose now is important. It's not insignificant. It matters, right? This season of your life today is tied to the purpose tomorrow. And you have to carry that in faith as a believer. It's not about the big win. It's about celebrating today, knowing that God's involvement is full in it. Amen? Bow your heads and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this moment. You have given us the opportunity to celebrate, Lord, and to understand, God, that we are right smack in the middle of your purpose. That you are as involved with us today as you were yesterday and as you will be tomorrow. Let us walk in faith, understanding that serving you is not a coincidence. It's a purpose-filled activity, Lord. Nothing is going to get past you. No action we take will overcome your call in our lives, Lord. We believe in you and we thank you. Help us to be guided by you in everything that we do and not take anything for granted. In your name we pray, amen.